of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and today I am joined by Nick. Hello, Nick. Hello. And Scott. Hello, Scott. I think I'm in love with Josh. (laughs) (laughs) And today's minute starts with Cher, just by the fountain, where it's about to light up, and then it finishes with Cher and Josh. Well, it finishes sort of with Cher and Josh sitting on the couch. It actually finishes with Cher uh, pacing backwards and forwards next to Mel's office in her pajamas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the kind of the bulk of the minute will be sharing Josh. But first of all, we get um, you know, the most important moment of any romantic comedy, uh, which in a way Clue sort of is, uh, as Cher realizes that suddenly and then she says out loud, Oh my god, I love Josh and then she says, I'm majorly, totally but crazy in love with Josh. And as she says that, we get a series of like quick cuts, like from different shots of Paul Rudd. Um, and as as the uh, as the fountain, as she says, "I love Josh." The fountain lights up, and we get a little fanfare, which kind of brings to an end the uh, the all by myself, which has now been going on for like a, a solid minute and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get. Um, this week our first um costume change for Cher um you know she goes from wearing the 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 outfit that she was in when Ty um told her she she was a virgin who couldn't drive um actually it's the outfit that she failed her driving test in um and then we get her when she's on the couch with Josh she's wearing some uh, some jeans and she's got like a little pink top on over some over a white t-shirt um she's got her hair tied back um she doesn't look quite as relaxed as you would expect she would uh, in that clothing. <laughs> She's sitting quite tensely on the couch while Josh is um, eating cereal straight from the box. Uh, and he offers he offers some to share and she kind of turns him down. I couldn't see what that cereal was. That Shredded wheat. Eating. Shredded wheat. Yeah, Ugh. shredded wheat. Straight from the box. Dry from the box. Yeah, I know. What is going on with you, Josh? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, that's it. I couldn't I'm tell if it was frosted or not. If, if it was, if it was frosted, at least I, that's somewhat forgivable. But I don't, I can't tell if it is or not. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think, I think Paul Rudd might be doing some like fake eating because <laughs> I don't yeah. know if he's actually. I don't know if he actually takes anything out of the box. If he just puts his hand in and pretends, and then just kind of like makes out like he's eating, right? Like, does, some, does a little bit of fake eating, but yeah. So he's eating. He's eating. I mean, it's almost too cliche to say that you sit on the couch eating cereal because that just, you know, at least he isn't wearing, um, you know, uh, like flannel. Like that would be the only thing that would make this more of a more of a cliche. He does still have his boots on though, and I couldn't tell if those were Timberland or Doctor Martins, but um, I feel like Josh is a more of a Timberland man than a Doc Martin man. So um, I would but say we get, so. we get that sitting at. Yeah, we get sitting at the bottom of the shop quite prominently. His 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 like boot is on his knee, um, so that was just something that I noticed. 
Um, and it's interesting here because earlier on we had, um, you know, this kind of calls back to the, the first time that they were sitting together before they had the first kind of like dinner with Mel, where they were watching TV and, you know, Josh was trying to watch the news and, you know, Cher was kept trying to turn it over and there was a bit of a fight for the remote. So now she's just sitting passively watching the news and this this kind of is the start of her kind of her kind of not just you know not just realizing she's in love with josh but that she should she should do something for the world more mm -hmm. than just suck for herself and so kind of just sitting there watching the news even if she does misinterpret bosnia as the middle east <laughs> Um, you know, and it's it's funny actually because I'm I'm almost certain that the footage they show here from CNN is the exact same footage they showed earlier. But when they showed it earlier, it got cut off after, after like a couple of seconds. So uh, you know, I think they reused it. Um, you know, uh, but it's it's interesting that that Cher kind of thinks they've declared peace in the Middle East, so she doesn't know why they're still fighting. So that's kind of like an interesting thing that she has. She has kind of like a vague understanding of something going on in the news, but she doesn't quite know uh, what it is. Um, and, and kind of Josh figures out something is wrong because he's like, "What's with you?" Um, and, and he's like, "You haven't you haven't made me watch the real world," uh, which I would like to say is a, a like a dated '90s reference. Uh, I think when this film came out, like season four of the Real World would have finished, so we would have had that whole. I think Pedro was already dead by this point. Yes, uh, yeah. real world, real world, real world four was in London, so I remember loving that show particularly. Uh, featured um, an actress who later went on to star in Bridget Jones' Diary two, uh, has a kiss with uh, Renee Zellweger in that film. Um, so, like, yeah, so you know, I don't think, given when this film is set and that, that at this particular point they're just before graduation, I don't think Real World would have actually been on, but it's a Paramount property, uh, just like. MTV and just like uh, Ren and Stimpy, so I guess they can mention it with impunity. So no, it would have been um, on. It was it was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they ended. Up, I think they ended up doing like Real eight, World Five. Eighteen seasons of Real World. No, Real World is still on now. They're on season yeah. thirty. Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, as in the show wouldn't have been broadcast at this particular time of the year because oh. I think it usually starts. It usually starts like in late summer and then goes through to the fall. Yeah, although so, although I guess I guess there's there's a chance that he's being derogative. He, yeah, he's being he, Yeah. He's being really He's dismissive. doing that, but I I like to be a bit more scientific about these types sure, of things. Sure. He's trying to figure but it, but out if it's going to where he doesn't even he can't even tell the difference between real world and road rules. And so road rules was a summer show or <laughs> yeah, or a true. spring show, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so he could have he could have just not known the difference to be like you know one of those shows because there was no such thing as reality <laughs> shows back then. So all of them, any kind of reality yeah. show was just oh it's real world. It was just called the real world. Yeah, this is yeah. eliminate Josh for yeah. information. <laughs> um, like, what do you think about Cher realizing her tactics won't work? Her little voice over here where she kind of says she basically tells you what she did earlier in the film to try and get Christian's attention, which of course sort of worked. <laughs> but didn't work how she wanted it to work. So, like, what are your guys' thoughts on the fact that she knows, like, strutting around in her cutest outfit won't work on Josh? I think it's sort of, um, yeah, and and uh, it, it, it's a classic romantic comedy move where, you know, a, a, you know few, few, films, few, few film genres are as maligned as the romantic comedy, and lightly so. I'm of the opinion that, 
you know, my favorite movies are romantic comedies, but also my least favorite movies are romantic comedies. And uh, I think the, the trick is you have to get the audience to want these characters to to be together. You almost have to, I don't want to say trick because that implies some sort of like uh, uh, smarter than thing. But like, you know, you have to think, you have, it, the audience has to feel like they, that it's, it's like you have to trick them into shipping the actual couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, or to feel why that is the couple, and uh, and yeah, it's just so great because that that's kind of how it works. You know, you meet that one person where just none of your tricks work. You know, none of your old, you know, the things that maybe have gotten you laid or, or dated in the in the past. You know, it won't work for this person. So you actually might have to grow and may <laughs> and maybe be vulnerable and and yourself, which is which is it, 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 and it's. It's so fun to see this character who we've enjoyed having all the answers suddenly be like kicked out into outer space, you know. And I, I like that, you know, she's she's like, I can't send myself flowers and candy, um, you know, like it's kind of like, you know, sending flowers and candy, I think, is always seen as kind of like a cheap thing. It's like superficial. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, you know, flowers die and and, uh, and candy's got lots of sugar in and it's going to make you fat. So like it's not really like why although it's kind of like a trope that appears in lots of films it's like well it just always seems like a bit cliched and i think it's almost like amy heckling is using share here to say you can't you can't be cliched you have to be real you have to you have to do something real and kind of be real and um i think it's interesting that Cher's like i care about the news and josh is like since when she's like since now and um you know <laughs> And and he kind of just says to her, "You look confused." And it's it's like, well, yeah, because she kind of is at this point in time. Like she she's she really like until this point, everything that she's done, she's kind of known what she's doing. Stuff has kind of come out of nowhere, like Elton trying to grope her and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. generally, she kind of knows what's going on. So this is the point where, yeah, she is confused, but not not just about where Bosnia is and where the Middle East is, but about kind of. And more, uh, more broadly, she's confused about everything. Well, um, what's funny about the uh, about her normal tricks or whatever the the you know little outfits and sending flowers and candy to herself, she's like, yeah, these won't work this time. And I'm like, it didn't work last time because you did it to a gay guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't. I we've never seen her little tricks actually work. So I just <laughs> I just think that's funny. She's so she's so wise, and yet um, she doesn't actually know what she's talking about. <laughs> Which is kind of like the perfect teenager, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you feel like you have all the answers. You feel like you're the coolest kid in school, and then it's like, oh wait, I'm actually, I'm actually an idiot. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, I, I think it's really fascinating that we kind of, and, and 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 clearly this isn't what the movie is about, but this little scene of, um, you know, this 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 you know very well off, uh, you know, white American you know female kind of examining her privilege in a subconscious way you know like she yeah she wants to she's interested in learning you know what i mean she's like well wait, what is going on in bosnia she doesn't know where it is but you know <laughs> and and it's like and and it's so easy to you know we see on facebook people like oh you don't know what's going on you're dumb but like i i it's so i think it's it's a it, it, it's it's cool to see this protagonist try to understand the the world and i think it's kind of what makes this character like uh you know the the, the hero of this story you know what i mean mm -hmm. um 
and yeah, it's just interesting because I, I mean, I, I know we don't want to talk about if it was modernized too much, but you're like, man, what would what happen if if a character like Cher Horowitz was in 2016? You know what I mean? Like, what would that look like? What would the reaction to that character be like? You know? Yeah, it's notable as well that like even though she is kind of growing and reflecting, she did stop off at Christian Dwar and get something like on the way like when she's when she's by the <laughs> yeah, fountain you can see yet. you can yeah. see the bag yeah you can see that she was distracted by that shop and she went and got that dress and she's got a couple of bags with her and it's like yeah she's she's growing but she still wants to kind of buy expensive dresses and look good you know hey, like, retail she's, therapy she's not fully you know? there yet yeah <laughs> yeah and you know and I, and I and i love that this movie isn't and, and maybe it's because it's you know you maybe this comes from having female director as opposed to a male director or maybe this is just a testament to amy heckerling's empathy as a storyteller but i love that this movie never laughs at share like this this story this movie clearly has a lot of affection for this character and the point of the movie isn't that shopping is stupid and girl stuff is dumb but it, it's just that any kind of buffer that you put between yourself and growth must eventually be dealt with especially when you're a teenager you know whether it's you know, because Josh, you know, it, it's very easy to use politics and current affairs as a buffer, you know, rather than talking about feelings and emotions. I'm just going to pretend to care about Bosnia or, or you know, any of the other things going on. Yeah. In the world. And, it, and it, it's really it's really cool. And I think the reason that we're able to watch these this movie hundreds of times is because it's. It, it does have this intelligence and wit to it that makes it fascinating to come back to. This is also a contrast to uh, Heather in the beret earlier, who, you know, was sort of on Josh's level and was kind of like a female Josh. And all she did was kind of like spout nonsense over and over again and then get corrected about Hamlet. Right. You know, so like instead of instead of trying to match Josh by talking about stuff and kind of talking at him, Sherry is actually sitting there and listening and trying to figure out what is going on and what is interesting Josh. Um, so like that, that kind of also that, you know, it's like a nice little kind of contrast between something that happened earlier. Like you say, the flowers and candy didn't yeah. work on Christian really. So, you know, um, she did get him over to the, she got him over to the mansion, you know, she got him over to the, the Horowitz mansion. So it kind of worked, but, you know, she was barking at the wrong tree when it came to that particular that particular boy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like and previously for Josh, you know, Heather and her kind of like intellectualism and her kind of nonstop motor mouth about stuff, you know, like that also contrasts with with what Cher will be doing with Josh, um, you know, by the end of this film. So it, it's interesting that at this particular point, you know, they're kind of contrasting to stuff that happened earlier in the film which you know is great storytelling so it's to be expected from a film that is good <laughs> you know but i just want to talk about the the fountain shot you know the, the i'm in love with josh like it's yes. such a it's such a kind of iconic moment mm -hmm. that like that when they uh, when the mtv movie awards did the uh the parody with the golden girls which if you haven't seen you should see because it, it features <laughs> three out of the four Golden Girls doing scenes from Clueless, including like the walk down the corridor where they're, <gasps> they're on the mobile phones. I remember and, this. Oh, that's so that's such a great idea. And the table scene. And this all played at the MTV Movie Awards in 96 where um, Alicia Silverstone won Best Desirable Female for this film. Um, 
but they also have the I'm in love with Josh thing, but with like um, Dorothy saying it, and it's it's kind of like weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's such a kind of iconic um, moment, like the the placement of like where Sherry's standing, the fact that the fountains like spurt up just as she says it, the where the lights come on at the same time, the fanfare, mm-hmm. like the climax of the the kind of music, everything is like so perfectly done. Um, it's just one of those things where kind of like it shows you why you know what films can do that is kind of different because in the novel you kind of get this moment where Emma realizes that Mr. Knightley is who she should be with um, but she isn't mm-hmm. standing in front of a fountain with all by myself playing unfortunately um, you know that's the one thing Jane Austen did not do in that novel is have people standing around while Eric Carmen was playing um, <laughs> you know so yeah. <laughs> You know, that's why... As if Mr. Bingley. Yeah, the, yeah. I, uh, I I really love the fountain shot, but I think... I, I I honestly think my favorite part of this is where she, in the voiceover, is saying, you know, I'm, I'm you know, totally... Uh, what did she say? I'm, I'm majorly, totally, majorly but crazy totally, in love with Josh. But crazy. And during that part, every, every, every majorly, totally, but crazy, they punctuate it with a flashback of her shoving him. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the ed. Yeah, the editing is so tight in this little moment. I love it. It's just it so such much. a. Yeah. It's just, it it perfectly sums up their relationship because she's having this moment where she's realizing she's in love with him as she's remembering all these times that she just shoved him as hard as she could. The, the first one is where um, Josh comes in and he he like pokes her in the side mm-hmm. when he's talking about her eating. So there's like that's the one poke back, but yeah, the other two are her pushing him. And it's funny because over the film, when you see those individual moments. They are they're not like strange, but they are a little kind of odd. Mm-hmm. And then when they're cut together here, they kind of make sense as like uh, kind of showing an underlying feeling that she's kind of had since the film started. You know, since Josh turned up, mm-hmm. this has been building up. Um, but it's yeah, it's like the, the language of film essentially kind of conveys all this so perfectly. Um, and it's it's like mm-hmm. such a good use of like when people talk about films and they talk about editing. You know, they'll say that a film was like badly edited or something. What they mean is they just mean it's long. That's that's not bad editing. That's just it's just a film being long. You know, editing is when shots are cut together quickly or cut together slowly. Like that's editing. Yeah. That's the choice is made there. Yeah. And and it's it's the same like with the next shot when they're sitting on the couch, and it's like a very very slow like they they're going in just a little bit, and, and then they cut to the television. They cut back and it's it's closer. So you can see you can see the distance between them on the couch mm-hmm. and then you, the camera is kind of forcing them together. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just really good use of like the, the kind of film language, the way that they're, they're setting up the shots. Um, you know, it's one, it's one of those things that clueless does kind of effortlessly mm-hmm. that you don't, you don't, you never really get drawn yes. to it. It's just something that it kind of does like with, um, when Christian was at the mighty, mighty Boston's, <laughs> with Cher and he's dancing with her and then he's dancing next to her and the change is very subtle but the camera does it by cutting to Josh and him seeing it and then cutting back so you can see what he's looking at and it's just another of those things where the cuts between shots and the way shots are framed like tells you a little tiny story 
Um, and that's the same here where you've got, you know, Cher's entire body language is completely different to how she's been throughout the rest of the film. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's just... And then you just see Josh as being this total 90s rat, just, like, lounging, <laughs> yeah. you know, just so comfortable, you know, completely unaware of how uncomfortable she is. And it's it's funny as well because, the like, before Josh goes to the Boss Tones party, there's, like, a little bit where the camera stays on him after she's left, and it's for, like, five seconds and it's just before he suggests he should go to the party and look after them. And it's just that kind of the, the looks that, e that each of the characters have given throughout the film. Like up until this point, Josh has kind of been, you know, looking at Cher a little differently. And then now Cher is acting a bit weird and Josh is kind of like unaware. So it's, it's interesting that that's kind of like switched a little bit here. It's funny as well because yeah. she says and he's a slug who hangs around the house all the time. And that's what he's literally doing in the next scene is he's just <laughs> hanging around the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, and it's and it's such a great it's such a great reversal for the audience because now we're now we're seeing Josh through Cher's new eyes. Yeah, so you know him just like you know being like Paul Rudd and lounging. Now all of a sudden it's like oh she we know that she thinks that he's cute. You know what I mean? yeah. And now we're waiting. It's, it's funny because uh, like now we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Now we're waiting for like we're waiting for her to tell Josh. And so you kind of mm -hmm. seeing Josh and you're like, yeah, he's, you know, he's cute sitting there on the couch eating cereal directly out of the box. Like, uh, you know, which is not, that's not something like normally if you were in a rom-com and someone was sitting around on the couch eating cereal out of the box, that's the cue to leave that person. That's not the cue to get with that person. Like, uh -oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like Chris Pratt, like, like all the early 2000s, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Just, like yeah. eating cereal in his underwear. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it's like an interesting use of that kind of like cliche. Mm -hmm. um, so, do you guys have anything else to add to this minute that, that stands out for you? Mm -mm. I don't. No. I mean... Yeah. So, I was going to say, who is your favorite character? Then I feel like we're leaning heavily towards Josh at this particular moment. I should say because this is something that um, some listeners have, uh, have tweeted at me now and again. Uh, everyone's favorite character is Cher. Obviously, that goes without saying. the The question is, who is your next favorite character after Cher? So. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because obviously Cher is the star of this film. Right. Uh, so, Nick, Nick mm -hmm. who's your favorite character? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like asking who's your favorite of the new Ghostbusters. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, Kay McK everyone, everyone's favorite is Kate McKinnon, but, like, you know, besides her. Uh, you know, I really, really love the relationship that Cher has with her with her dad. I think I think the dad is such a interesting kind of, a, like, original kind of character. And, and, and the way that he... Uh, uh, like lets share into his business world sometimes and respects her and like you know clearly you know like, like any father would like you know i you know worships her but then also i don't know i, I just really love how he's such a a tough kind of like uh, you know uh, but he he's never he never tries to change share or try to like make her more weighty or serious mm -hmm. you know and i almost feel like if anyone tried to accuse share of being you know frivolous or airheaded he would like you know rip that person's mm -hmm. head off so i mean i'm the, the parents in teenage movies are often my favorite parts of them and uh, and i don't think this is an exception i think it's interesting as well that like the kind of overprotective father thing um like generally in kind of teen movies and we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow because we get mel but we we also get to talk about teen movies a bit more is generally either mm -hmm. someone who you know uh like wants their kid to go to their alma mater or they're a drunkard who has to be, you know, put into like the truck each morning 
Um, or or <laughs> yeah, Harry, or Harry, Harry Dean Stanton, Stan, yeah. Or I was thinking of his parody in Not Another Teen Movie, which is a perfect kind of. <laughs> and yeah. um, <laughs> or um, you know, they there's kind of this recent trend, which is something that disturbs me a little in real life, and possibly might exist in one of the current presidential candidates as we record this episode. And this is the kind of overprotective father who, if any male comes near their their daughter will take the gun out and shoot them like that kind of and that's kind of become a little bit more kind of cliched of like having a father who will take any boyfriend aside and just threaten them the second that they meet them and mel he doesn't really do that he kind of jokes a little bit with it with christian where he's like i got a 45 and a shovel and i don't think anyone would miss you but i don't think he's ever like he's (laughs) he's not kind of completely serious about that because i think deep down he realizes christian is absolutely no threat for his daughter Mm -hmm. and also he knows that Cher can take care of herself to a certain extent obviously once she's in the valley and she's stranded she can't but you know one of the very first times that Cher does the title drop for this podcast is when she's pushing a boy off her at school you know who just puts his arm around her and she just pushes him off and says as if like she knows her value and she knows like where she is in the world and so mel is kind of protective in the way that a father should be but he also knows that she's she can handle herself she she can cope so that's kind of like um that's kind of what he does though in the next couple of minutes we're going to get to see Mm -hmm. the softer side of mel anyway so Mm -hmm. um although i stanley tucci and easy a very good Mm. yeah oh that probably probably my favorite particularly the moment where they go Mm -hmm. um they they put the uh, they put the bucket list in and uh, Patricia Clarkson goes watch the bucket list and then ticks it off her bucket list. <laughs> such a like such a stupid joke, but I love it so much. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the line. So so where are you from originally? Me to his adopted to his adopted. Oh son. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that, is, that is funny. Um, yeah. So Scott, any thoughts on your favorite character? Yeah, I mean it's gotta be it's gotta be Travis and and it's (laughs) it's Travis because I think he's the only other person in this movie who is having a movie of his own that we're not seeing. Um because his movie his movie is about him being this pothead slacker who goes to a party in the valley once spills spills a drink on uh on on this rich girl's shoes and then realizes man i really got to get my shit together (laughs) (laughs) because because the next time we see him we find out that he's in like na like like narcotics Mm -hmm. anonymous uh He's in like a twelve steps plan. He's like giving up yeah. drugs and everything. And you're like, what <laughs> happened to you? So I just love the idea of him just like spilling his drink on her really expensive shoes and just being like, oh man, I gotta get my shit together. That was, that was the moment. That was his like Robert Downey Jr. staring at a at a, at a cheeseburger on a sidewalk. <laughs> <Yeah. moment. laughs> Do you know what though? There is one little scene which which was uh, discussed. Um, recently, which comes between those two points, which is when he goes to the table after Ty is popular and he like, I don't know where he catches in his mouth, but he spits something up and catches it in his mouth and everyone at the table is like not impressed. And she said, and Ty uses um, Cher's phrase from earlier where she says, you know, don't the stoners go on that grassy knoll over there. Mm-hmm. And there's a look between Tav- Travis and Cher where Cher like looks mortified that Ty has said this and and Travis is like so sad and downtrodden 
and it feels like that might be the moment that pushes him like over the edge. Like then maybe there was like an overdose in between spilling the the stuff on the shoes and doing that trick and realizing that Ty no longer cares for him because he's he's like he's high. You like yeah. It seems it seems like there is something going on. And I will agree. Tra- like out of all the other characters in this film, Travis does seem like the one who is having like a parallel kind of journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas I mean, obviously, you know, we see Ty's journey. You know. But, you know, Christian comes in and he's the exact same when we believe. Dion and Murray are a couple at the beginning. They're a couple at the end. Like, mm-hmm. there's, very, there's very few characters in this film that, that kind of uh, grow in any way. But Travis is one of those. And he also comes up a lot as people's favorite as well. Because, you know, Breckenmeyer um, is fantastic in this film. And, you know, he, he said that, um, you, you know, the hair is basically his. Like, that was just his hairstyle. And he came in and they were going to send him to, like, hair and makeup for, to do something with it. And Amy Heckling was like, nah, that's that's exactly what Travis should look like. Just keep <laughs> your hair like that. And so that's what, that's what he did. He just didn't cut his hair for, like, a month while they were filming. Um, so I think it's funny because, like, a little, you feel like a little of Breckenmeyer comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in, in that character and and of course it's interesting that he and Brittany Brittany Murphy with it were in a number of films together mm-hmm. and um he says the only time they ever kissed um which comes just before the credits in this minute is when he like kisses her on the side of her head mm-hmm. and that's like the only time they ever shared a kiss on screen uh, despite being like love interests in films it's it's, it's like super weird oh interesting um, yeah yeah but it's it, it's funny that they like to me, like Travis and Ty, you know, they are. It's a really good realization of the of the Emma story with Harriet and um, the other guy whose name I've forgotten. At this oh no, you're good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you, 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 uh, Robert, Robert me Martin. Yeah, Robert Martin. So, like the Harriet Robert Martin storyline is kind of is like it changed slightly because Harriet and Robert Martin know each other before the novel begins, but you know, in this particular case, obviously Ty and Travis don't. But it's a really good updating of that storyline to fit this you know this this whole thing and and how um travis makes himself worthy of being with ty by like getting clean and concentrating on his skateboarding which seems like a weird way to do it but you know it works um so but yeah i think that i think that their their kind of story is an interesting parallel to the whole josh um you know share storyline mm-hmm. yeah uh and I, I, so, I, I always, I always like movies where the weirder characters aren't. You know, you've seen Adam Sandler movie, and like, you know, it, it's like going to a, like going to a freak show in the 1920s. And I, I always like it when a movie is equally kind to its, its quirkier oddball characters, as well as like, you know, ridiculously good-looking leads. And it's also not, notable that that Ty's like jab at Travis comes like five minutes before her jab at Cher. So obviously, it's the first step of her. Her growing confidence in taking yeah. shots at people who God, thank God these people time, didn't have Twitter. Oh, oh, I, oh, I, I, I can't. I couldn't even imagine how crazy it would be. I don't think even in Easy. I would totally follow. In even oh, Easy A, they have Twitter, do they? Do they have in Easy A? Do they have some kind of social media? It existed, thing? but I think the only the only time yeah. we see Olive using social media is like her weird her video blog, her video, she, like you know the, the, yeah. the narrative device. Now it would all be on Periscope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she wouldn't even be able to get away with lying. They would they would periscope her <laughs> <No>. having sex. <laughs> uh, <homeboy from laughs> yeah. So if there's nothing else to say for this minute or and about favorite characters, I think we're, I think we're good for today, and we can yeah. move on to 
share pacing up and down in those pajamas. Those mm-hmm. uh, those uh, those really nice looking pajamas. They're like look really comfy. So uh, I'm gonna go to Scott for the plugs. Uh, Do you want to plug Scott? Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've we've plugged uh, Back to the Future Minute and Geek by Night. So I guess that leaves the Doctor's Companion. Our uh, Doctor Who podcast that we do weekly, Nick and I, with our co-host Cassandra Fredrickson. And uh, we are doing every episode of Doctor Who, beginning with An Earthly Child, William Hartnell, and going all the way through to Modern Day Who. But we're doing it one Doctor at a time. So we've done the first story of every Doctor, and now we're doing the second story of every Doctor, and so forth and so on. So we get a good mix that way. Um and it allows us to get into the uh, Big Finish audio um, adventures and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we, we do that, and that comes out every week, every Sunday. It's our Sunday show. So, uh, you know, if you like Doctor Who, uh, check that out. And we do recap as we're going along. So if you've never watched Classic Who before um, <clears throat> and don't think you'd be comfortable uh, with that sort of podcast, you would be fine with us because we mostly just laugh at it. Um, <laughs> because I am actually watching all these classic episodes for the first time. Scott and Cassandra are guiding me through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, like speaking of Doctor Who, I feel like I can, I can, um, I've seen something that you'll never see um, for Doctor Who, uh, which is there was a stage show that ran over here in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh. And John Pertwee was the doctor on the stage for most of it, but then he was taken ill. And so he was replaced for like the final 10 or so performances by Colin Baker. So I've seen that stage show with Colin Baker and live Daleks and live Cybermen. And, oh, uh, and awesome. afterwards, afterwards I got a, um, I got uh, Colin Baker signed a poster for me and he put it, Colin Baker who? And then the question mark. That's how he. That's how he awesome. It. Um, so yeah. So I. I don't. It was never recorded in any way. I don't know if the, the scripts exist anywhere, but it it's was amazing. just something that was done while Doctor Who was like off the air, and they wanted to try and keep the property alive in some manner. So they did this like stage show. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. I've definitely <laughs> heard of the stage show, but yeah, I'm super jealous that I that you got to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So uh, join us again tomorrow. Thanks for being here today. And uh, we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about Minute 81, where Mel starts his heart-to-heart with Cher, and Cher kind of sort of tells him about Josh, (laughs) but kind of doesn't. So uh, we'll get into that tomorrow. So thanks very much for joining me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice. And please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.